generally, I wish people would stop commenting on what other people eat and just what other people look like. A lot of the time people will say to me like, oh, real women have curves or it's lovely to see a real woman like modeling clothes. And I'm like, please don't say that. Like, I really, really despise that narrative that real women have curves. Like, we're all real women. We just all come in different shapes and sizes. And I think it's about honoring your your own hunger and you know your body and you know what you can and cannot eat and like your level of fullness and stuff like that and it's just bizarre to me that people are so comfortable with passing comment on you like that hi hurt to healing listeners and welcome back to season four with me pandora morris i can't believe it's been nearly a year since i started having these incredibly raw and honest conversations with wonderful guests from all walks of life about their own invisible mental health struggles. Those of you that have been here since the start will know that I myself have struggled with my mental health for many years and it was only recently that I started to see some glimmers of light. As part of my own recovery, I've made it my mission to start this podcast to create a safe space where I could try and help some of you on your own healing journeys. This season is full of more fantastic conversations and I hope that hearing these will provide a bit of solace and comfort for some of you. In today's powerful episode, I sit down with the incredible Laura Adlington, whose journey unveils the deep-seated challenges surrounding body image and weight throughout her life. As a contestant on The Great British Bake Off, Laura faced the harsh reality of online trolling, shedding light on the societal struggles that persist. From navigating the complexities of growing up as a larger woman, Laura boldly addresses the toxic influence of diet culture, a force that made her feel lesser than and perpetuated damaging narratives. Rejecting the idea that real women have curves, she passionately advocates for the celebration of diverse body types, emphasizing that every woman is real and unique. We discuss how she came to accept her body and her fervent wish for a society that places more emphasis on what lies on embracing the beauty within. So Laura, I'd love to start by talking about your journey. Now, I know you hate the word journey, um, but I'd love for you to tell us about your change of relationship with your body and how you've arrived at a place of body neutrality and acceptance. Yeah, well, that's a big question to start with, isn't it? (laughs) I think uh, a lot of people think that I sort of wake up one day and I was all of a sudden happy and content in my body. And that's not quite the truth. The truth is I was going to have bariatric surgery just before going on the bake-off. I've always struggled with my weight, I think since I was about eight years old. And it's always been a really big factor in my life. And I always say that I didn't just have a body growing up. I was my body. I was very much defined by it. I was constantly on a diet, constantly thinking that my life would start when I was smaller. And this kind of came to a head really when I wanted to have a baby and was told that I needed to lose about 14 stone to have IVF. So I thought that the only option was to have bariatric surgery. I went on that list for about a year on that journey and then decided at the very last minute it wasn't for me. And it was after that that I really kind of started to think about what my life would be like if I wasn't on a diet constantly and I wasn't always trying to be smaller. And actually, could I find freedom and body acceptance And so it was really after the bake-off that I started to talk to other women who were in similar positions to me, realised that I wasn't alone, started to do a lot of research into diet culture, beauty standards, and I realised that I don't want to waste another minute or second of any day hating myself because it's such a waste of life. 
And so I decided to lean into accepting my body, not hating myself, wearing colour and living a full life just as I am. So would you say that the Bake Off was quite a turning point for you? Massively. The, the Bake Off completely changed my life for the better. I was in a quite a boring nine to five before that, stuck in this kind of diet binge cycle and yeah, waiting for my life to start. And it, yeah, it really did have a profound effect on me and changed my path completely. Because you experienced quite a lot of trolling as well and quite a lot of online abuse. Mm. And how was it managing that while also trying to boost your own self-confidence and actually coming to that point of acceptance? The trolling was tricky because up until that point, I'd only really ever been bullied for my weight. And there were a few negative or quite a few negative comments about my weight. But a lot of the trolling around Bake Off was, you're not good enough to be there you shouldn't have got in the final you're a shit baker that was really tough for me at first because I felt and they were also attacking my personality as well saying that I was like annoying and common and all of this stuff and I did find it really tricky and I think I there was at one point when it kind of went viral on Twitter like how shit I was and I shouldn't have been in the final I spent two days in bed and I was like this is awful like this is horrible I had like daily mail outside my house people following me it was just bizarre like completely utterly strange but I think growing up bigger I, I had to develop like quite a thick skin to things and I think that really did help me and now I still get troll comments I probably get them every day and the majority of them I just laugh and just think well that's quite sad isn't it like I feel quite sorry for you yeah and is that how you cope with it because I think there's a lot going on now that social media has just kind of burst really and there's a lot of negativity on there yes it can be used for more constructive purposes but I think this online abuse is becoming and cyberbullying is becoming much more of a problem and have you ever had any help in that regard or is your way of doing it just to shut them out not look at the comments and and just carry on with what you're doing I mean I'm a big advocate for like therapy and counseling and I haven't had any in a long time and I I think sometimes when I say like oh it's all water off a duck's back I wonder whether that is me just kind of putting up a wall to it going I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine and when actually Sometimes I'm not fine and sometimes the comments really do, I do take it in. I am quite a sensitive person, always have been. You just have to be resilient, otherwise I would spend all day crying and I wouldn't be able to show up as I am. The hardest thing that I find now is showing up authentically instead of constantly worrying about what people are thinking or going to say on certain forums or uh, on social media. That for me is the tricky part. And going back to growing up in a larger body, I'd love to like delve into what that was actually like, because I think, you know, stereotypical beauty standards are that women should be, you know, slim, look a certain way. I think it takes a very strong character, especially when you're in adolescence and you're going through like all of those changes and you kind of don't quite know who you are yet. You haven't quite found your thing to be fully confident in a larger body is a real challenge. And I think particularly in like the 90s, where you were fed this narrative of sort of heroin, like skinny chic and, and, you know, the likes of Kate Moss and Claudia Schiffer and all those models who were sort of setting the beauty standard. What was that like? And what was, I mean, what were the emotions that were attached to that? I definitely grew up a product of diet culture in that my mum was very much of that generation as well, where she always felt like she had to be on a diet and she would always eat differently. She wasn't like an almond mum, but she was like a, I'm always on a diet mum. And so my household was very much like obsessed with appearances, I, I felt, where my weight was intrinsically linked to my worth. And so I constantly felt like I wasn't really good enough and I was always being judged for what I was eating. 
the lack of exercise that I was sort of like doing or not doing. And that was really, really challenging. And I, I kind of just was made to feel like I wasn't allowed to be in my a body like mine. It wasn't acceptable. And I sort of felt, if I'm being really honest, that my parents obviously were worried, like genuinely worried for my health. But I also wonder whether there was also like a bit of embarrassment there of like not wanting like the fat kid. And I do blame diet culture for that. And I all of the research that I've done since suggests that you shouldn't comment on somebody's weight because it actually exacerbates the problem. You should just make it a non-issue. But they didn't know that. And that's fair enough. I don't blame them. I was loved. I was protected. I had a really happy childhood other than than this. But I do blame diet culture for a lot because I think it just made me feel lesser than, even though I was bigger than everyone else. And I completely relate to it in another way. You know, I developed anorexia because I was fed this narrative that to be acceptable, to be right, to seek the approval of my mum in a very warped way. I needed to be this incredibly skinny and all those things of those values that we associate, which again, you you can hark back to diet culture and you can really hold it responsible because every magazine you looked at, every television series you watched you know every actress every everything that was good and right was associated with being in a smaller body and being so-called skinny and therefore I developed a complete phobia of being fat really and yeah and I and I really really struggle with it still to this day and like you I had a very you know lookist family it's always comments about people's appearance or about their weight and so of course as a child I absorbed this idea that to be accepted and to be okay I I did have to be in a smaller body and like you I resorted to self-destructive methods whether it was restricting myself whether it was exercising excessively whether it was binging and restricting or binging and purging using the exercise and I think yeah you go on this constant pendulum but it's so self-destructive and when you gain the awareness that that's what you're doing it becomes even more painful in a way yeah absolutely yeah and I think just as much as I struggled with like being overweight and the bullying and stuff, I think it was also really important to acknowledge that the skinny shaming that was rife throughout that time as well. And I think there was such a narrow body type that was deemed acceptable. It was either she's too fat or she's too skinny, like she's gone too far. And I think it just goes to show that like we as women like just never really had a chance. And like you're constantly fed this like narrative of like you have to be thin but not too thin. And I love that Barbie, the speech in the Barbie film, because I thought it's so true. Like I just find it frustrating really like that women's bodies can be seen as like trends when you can't change your body shape. And I think so much of it is genetics as well. Like I think for, I was always meant to be in a bigger body just as some people are meant to be smaller. Well, we all fit on a on a spectrum and I just, I'm glad that we have more acceptance now. I just wish we had it a bit more back in the day. Do you think the acceptance is genuine? I mean, do you see attitudes really, really shifting or... I mean, I still feel a lot of judgment and a lot of shame. So for example, I really struggle when I go out for, to friends' houses for dinner or if I'm like going away or when I'm not in control of my food. And I still feel, like you said, there's a sort of judgment attached to being slim or being larger and what foods you can and can't eat. And and so for me, people are like, oh, for God's sake, you should be able to eat a plate of spaghetti now. You should be able to eat pizza. Like, what's wrong with you? You're over your anorexia. And I'm like, no, I still really struggle with that. Yeah. And I wonder how you feel about the same sort of things. Yeah, it's really interesting that you said that. I think in the opposite way for me, I grew up with like the food police being like, surely you can't eat all that or 
you know, that's not good for you. Don't eat so much. And like people commented on how much and what I was eating. There's a phrase in like the fat liberation movement called like being the good fatty. And so often you will see people who are in bigger bodies eating a salad in public or not eating at all because they want to be seen as the person who's trying, you know, I'm on a diet, I'm trying, I promise. And so for a large part of my life, I did that and I tried my best to be the, the best good fatty I could. And now I can't say that I don't care at all. I just care less, but I just do it anyway. So for example, the other day I was at a train station and I had like no time at all. I was rushing from the train station to a meeting and I needed to eat. I didn't have time to stop somewhere and eat. So I had to eat a sandwich on the way. And yeah, I got a few dirty looks and it felt uncomfortable. But I think sometimes the progress we make in life without sounding like cheesy or like I'm some guru is sitting with that uncomfortableness and doing it anyway and like pushing yourself because I have a right to eat and nourish myself and feed myself as much as anyone else and if people want to judge me like that's really on them but just generally I wish people would stop commenting on what other people eat and just what other people look like I just think a lot of the time people will say to me like oh real women have curves or it's lovely to see a real woman like modeling clothes and I'm like please don't say that like I really really despise that narrative that real women have curves like we're all real women we just all come in different shapes and sizes. And I think it's about honouring your your own hunger and you know your body and you know what you can and cannot eat and like your level of fullness and stuff like that. And yeah, it's just bizarre to me that like people are so comfortable with passing comment on you like that. It's so interesting having this conversation because it's almost like the same mindset and yet it's kind of reversed in yeah. some respects. Yeah. But it's essentially it all boils down to the same thing. It's it's a lack of confidence and a, a feeling of there's some kind of safety and security in, in food. And it's like you give food this power. And I often think about it when I'm by myself and I'm ruminating and I'm like, how can you go? For me, a lot of it is like delay gratification. So I'll save up a treat or I'll save up a meal and I'll really look forward to it. And that will be the thing that will get me through the hard times and get me through the day. And then suddenly you're presented with this food and it's like, why did I think this was going to give me something? This is just a plate of food. And yet I built it up in my mind to be this going to give me this sort of epiphany. And I wonder whether how you move past attaching so much to food, because I, like from my own experience of binging and stuff as well, it's something that it's exciting. It's something to look forward to, but then it becomes self-destructive and you start to dread it, but you're still in that addictive loop. Yeah. A great question. And I would love to say that I am healed and fixed and whatever, but I think the truth is, Probably for both of us, I don't know if it's fair to say, like, we will probably always have a complex relationship with food, like, we've gotten this far in our lives. But I am learning to manage it a bit better. What you were saying about the delayed gratification was interesting because I think what I have sought for a long time and, and still seek sometimes is instant gratification from food. And I often feel like I'm shoving food down my neck and it's to try and suppress uncomfortable emotions. Um, again, I probably should go to therapy to deal with that at some point I probably <laughs> will what I'm trying to do at the moment like I don't know if you're familiar with like the intuitive eating model I've read a book by Trebolian Relch I think their names are I've probably got that wrong sorry if I have and that was really interesting actually to like understand the kind of non-diet approach because when I did all this research like for my book around diet culture I realized I would never go on a diet again 
that was very liberating, but it was also kind of scary because I thought, well, I don't want to be bigger than I am because life is already quite hard, like in terms of navigating public transport, in terms of buying clothes, feeling uncomfortable in my skin. I would just love to be a bit healthier and have a better relationship with food and more control over it. And so I'm trying to like listen to my body and eat foods that I feel like will nourish me and stop when I'm full. That's my biggest thing is like with binging is, and I don't want to like trigger anyone, but I will often eat to the point of feeling like almost unwell and then come feelings of, oh, I hate myself. Why have I done that? But then I just do it again, like the next day or in the afternoon. So it's a really, really tricky one. I don't have it all figured out, but I am in the process of trying to heal my relationship with both food and exercise and not seeing exercise as a punishment or a way to earn food or burn calories. But I think it's going to take a long time. I've only really been in this kind of headspace for the last two years, three years, maybe you know, as opposed to kind of 25 years in the kind of cycle of diet culture. So that's where I kind of am at the moment, I think. Hurt to Healing has partnered with Brown Advisory to bring you this podcast. Brown Advisory, a global investment management firm, is passionate about raising awareness of mental health challenges in order to help people thrive in an ever-changing world. A big thank you to Brown Advisory for supporting my mission. How do you, out of interest, practice self-acceptance and self-compassion? I mean, is there anything that you do on a daily basis to just reinforce that positive narrative in your head? For me, the biggest thing was leaning into like body neutrality. So I think the body positivity movement is not what it originally was kind of it was established in the 1960s and it was about activism and it was about equal rights for fat people. It was nothing to do with loving your cellulite or stretch marks or anything like that. It was about equal rights for black, fat, queer and Jewish women predominantly. And then in the 1990s, it kind of shifted and it got commercialized and also whitewashed. So now when people think of body positivity, they think of it as I have to love my body. I have to love how I look, I have to love my stomach, I have to love my bingo wings or my skinny legs or whatever it is and I don't think that's realistic I don't think anyone can look in the mirror every day and be in love or even at peace with themselves so with body neutrality the concept is kind of I have a body and so does everyone else and it's about function over form difficult to do if you have a disability or if you know your body doesn't always do what you want it to do for example but for me leaning into that And so if I look in the mirror one day and be like, I don't like how I look, I'm like, oh, well, get on with it. And just kind of shrugging it off and getting on with my day and not saying no to things, having a wardrobe full of clothes that actually fit me and not a wardrobe full of clothes that one day I might fit into. I think leaning into those kind of things has genuinely really been life changing for me. Yeah, because I do think that this body positivity is just it's not a realistic ideal Tell me which woman loves everything about her. I mean, I struggle to believe that one exists, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Unless, and then you're bordering maybe on like someone who's like a bit narcissistic or, or there's well, like exactly. the vanity part of it. And, and I'm all for loving yourself. And actually we're all there some days and like, I think like, I look great today. I look brilliant. Like I'm really happy with my, what I'm wearing or what my hair, how my hair's fallen or whatever. But I think that we as a society place too much value on appearance uh, and how we look. And I think that's why I like body neutrality, because it's just sort of saying the way you look is the least interesting thing about you. And we don't focus so much on that. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And then that harks back to like the food choices that you make. It's like, it, it's not an interesting point about you, like the way you eat or like what you do. It's not you. Like, it's just a behavior. You know, do we judge people about how much they drink? This is what always baffles me. It's acceptable in this society, particularly in the UK, to go out and get absolutely wasted and to drink five bottles of wine. No one would comment on it at the table. They wouldn't be like, oh, mate, you know, have you had enough? I mean, very rarely. And yet, if you were to sit there and have five desserts, <laughs> I mean, you can guarantee that you'd get some kind of snarky comment. Oh, you're eating a lot of dessert or enjoying that or just the. And I think often people who have struggled with eating disorders maybe read into comments quite a lot. Yeah. I think sometimes people don't intend to have a snide innuendo when that's what you interpret what they've said as having. But I do feel that people are very, very quick to pass judgment on people's food choices, as you've said which is something that I really, really would love to change. Same. And I also would love to just kind of squash the idea that like we can correlate. I think we can correlate weight with health, but it is weight is not the only measure of health. I think health is so complex and nuanced and personal as well. And it encompasses things like sleep, like stress, like how many times you go to the toilet a day and nutrition. And I think I just really wish people would stop thinking that you can tell a person's health by just by looking at them and often people use their I'm just worried about your health or but what about health argument when they've got nothing else and it's like a superiority thing I think as well like oh just be healthy and I think also I don't know if you find this I don't know if it's different slightly being in a bigger body but people also think you're thick like people just say like well if you just eat less and move more oh my god I tried this diet or I did this and this changed and I think I'm sat, I'm not stupid. Like I'm actually an intelligent person. I know the science behind it. I just can't do it. Like it's not easy for me. And I think people don't really get their, their heads around that, that it isn't a choice. Like you didn't choose to have an eating disorder. I didn't choose to have disordered eating and binge eating, secret eating. There are so many factors at play of why like we are in this position and we're now just trying to do our best to, to navigate that and do what we can. Like you say, everyone's dealing with some kind of like trauma and everyone has their own vices, but we wear it. So like people might have said to you in the past about your size and being small, just like people have said to me or noticed to me like being bigger. And it's like, yeah, I just think it's it's funny. We sort of like wear our trauma. So it's just really visible. And I think that sometimes think I think makes people feel like they've got the right to comment when actually they don't. So I wish, yeah, people would just give us a bit of a break. What would you say to larger women who really, really hate the way they look and say where you were a number of years ago and just can't see a way out and just think, I'm just useless, I'm rubbish, I lack discipline, I'm disgusting. Uh, I think that they would be transformed if they were smaller and think that they would love themselves. What would your sort of key three pieces of advice be for them? I think I would first of all say it's not your fault. A lot of the time we think that we lack discipline or that we're just lazy, but like there's so much at play. Okay. So it's not always a choice and you are not a bad person. You have not failed as a person in life just because you are bigger. I would really, really recommend doing some research into the body neutrality movement, buying clothes that fit you, really reorganizing your wardrobe so that you're honoring yourself as you are unfollow people on social media that make you feel like shit about yourself curate your social media so that you've got people that look like you and people that don't like look like you as well and I think above all I would just say like 
your life's purpose is not to lose weight. I honestly felt that for the long time, that when I would lose weight, my life would be better. I'd have better sex. I'd have more relationships. I'd have better friendships. I'd have a better job. I'd travel more. I'd do this. I'd do that. I'd do that. So I put everything off until like Laura version 2.0 was here. And what happened was I just wasted my life. And so now I'm in the position where I go, not doing that anymore. I'm not wasting any more of my life. Life is a gift. Tomorrow is not promise. And what what is a better use of my life? Wanting to be smaller, punishing myself, feeling like shit about myself, or just trying to live life as full and happy as I can while trying to have a better relationship with exercise and food. Like it's a slow process. It's not linear. But you're I would say you're more than your bad days and you've absolutely got this. So time to start believing in yourself. What incredible advice and just such a good point about now is the time. The saying where, you know, if you think you should plant a tree, you should have planted it 10 years yeah. ago. So now's the time to start. Exactly, you know? yeah. Um, and, and we always put it off, put it off and think when, when, when I get to that point, when I get that job. And we all know that the bar just gets higher and higher and higher and you might reach that goal weight, but doesn't really change anything. And actually, if anything, it brings in another wave of disappointment and a whole new wave of, of sort of goal setting emotions. So if you can start to reconcile in yourself that now is the time and, and it's just one step at a time. And as you say, it's baby steps and you, you are not your bad days. I love that saying. I think it's really lovely. Definitely. Yeah. What is beauty to you now? It sounds so cheesy, but I genuinely think you can be like the most beautiful person in the world in terms of like what we now see as like the beauty standard and be the ugliest person inside and vice versa. And I absolutely love the quote by Roald Dahl, which I'm probably going to absolutely massacre, but it's something about if you have good thoughts, sun shines out of your eyes like beams and you will never be ugly. And I think that's so true. Like I think beauty now is so much more than the superficial beauty that we see in like magazines and like on our tv and on our social media and I'm so over it I don't want to be in that world in that superficial world I don't give a shit what my friends look like or what my family look like I care about who they are and I do wish we'd put more emphasis on that so I, I think beauty is so teasing but it is so true like it's about what's inside it is and I have to finish by asking you are you still baking <laughs> um, <laughs> Sadly, not. I don't bake like at all anymore. Um, much to my husband's disappointment and my family, <laughs> I actually and like I'm always talk always talking about confidence. But I really lost my confidence during Bake Off or after Bake Off with all the trolling and stuff. Mm. And I think I just did it too much, and it just became a lot. So now I actually I kind of hate baking, if I'm honest. Oh, Laura, <laughs> no, that's sorry. awful. I'm sorry. Gosh. But I love what I'm doing now. I absolutely love what I'm doing in the like the body confidence phase and body acceptance phase. So I feel like maybe that's taken over. Maybe one day my love for it will come back. Oh, well, you're doing great things. And yeah, thank you so much for uh, such an enlightening conversation and just full of so much great advice. And I really hope that, yeah, we'll stay in touch and speak again in the future. Yeah, likewise. I was literally just thinking it's so, I think sometimes I live in a bubble of like other plus size women and it's genuinely been so interesting to talk to you about your experience. And I'm surprised in a way with the similarities as, as well. Like I think maybe we're at other ends of the spectrum, but there are similarities and I, I've yeah, definitely learned a lot today and, and also really enjoyed our chat. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hurt to Healing podcast. I'd love for you to subscribe to the show 
or to follow me on our Hurt to Healing Instagram at Hurt to Healing Pod. You might also have a friend or family member that you think might benefit from hearing this conversation. So please spread the word. Thank you.